Welcome to Jury Duty. I'm your host, Carrie Antholis. This season of Jury Duty explores the trial of Michael Barrisone, who was charged with the attempted murders of Lauren Kanarek and Robert Goodwin in Long Valley, New Jersey. Kanarek was struck in the chest by two bullets from Barrisone's weapon, and as it was undisputed that Barrisone fired those shots, his legal team argued that he was not guilty because he was legally insane at the time of the shooting and in the alternative because he fired those shots in self-defense. In our last episode, we concluded our examination of Prosecutor Christopher Shellhorn's questioning of Dr. Ruth Cox and began our look at her cross-examination by defense attorney Edward Belinkus. On today's installment, we cover the rest of Dr. Cox's testimony as well as the testimony of Vanessa Medrano-Cortez, who was the investigator for Child Protective Services visiting the Barrisone property at the time of the Canarec shooting. That's all coming up right after the break. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. We concluded our last episode with testimony from Dr. Ruth Cox that she was so concerned that Lauren Kanarek might have malevolent intent in feeding Cox's horse against her wishes that she chose to sleep outside the horse's stall in Michael Barrison's stable. On today's installment, we continue with Judge Stephen Taylor inviting defense attorney Edward Belinkus to resume his cross-examination of Dr. Cox. Go ahead, Mr. Belinkus. Now, he testified on direct with a, with regards to a meeting with an attorney that you were present at, correct? Yes, sir. And uh, I don't want you to say what was discussed, but as a result of that, we're strike that. After that meeting with the attorney, did Lauren Canarac come to the stable area later that day? I do not know how to answer that question because there were several meetings with his attorney. So you'd have to, I don't know how to answer that question. I don't know what day you're talking about. Let me rephrase it. Okay. This sport is a dangerous sport, correct? Yes, sir, it is. And it's common for people to sign releases in case they're injured. Okay, I know what day you're talking about now, if that's what you're talking about. So you had a lawyer with a meeting, uh, you had a meeting with the lawyer on that day, correct? Yes. And did Lauren Cataract come to the Staples later that day? Yes, sir, she did. And was there a discussion with regards to her signing a release? Yes, sir. And was Rob Goodwin there? He was. And uh, they basically refused, correct? Yes, sir. Michael Barrison was there, correct? Yes, sir. I was standing beside him. Was was Michael Barrison calm when he was talking to them? Absolutely. And can you describe how uh, Robert Goodwin was? Uh, He was a bit excitable about that. He... Do you want me to continue to yes. explain that? He obviously did not like the situation. He made some threatening uh, remarks to Michael. 
He also threatened me. Robert Goodwin threatened you? Yes, sir. Well, what did he say to you? Uh, he had already made some... Uh, to object. Hearsay. Well, was made well, 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 you didn't ask about that. You just said you, that. No, no, no. But you didn't. Your follow-up question was not about that, right? That's why it's objectionable. With, with all due respect to Dr. Cox, her state of mind is not an issue in this case. Mr. Barrisones is. So if you want to, if you want to rephrase and ask about any threat that was made to Mr. Barrisone, that may be permissible. Understood, Dr. Cox. Did Robert Goodwin? threatened Michael Barrison on that day? Yes. What specifically did he tell him? I do not remember the specific words, but it was around uh, he was not going to let Michael determine what was going on with him and his girlfriend's horses. Dr. Costa, I'm going to show you a copy of your statement in a second. She answered the question. I'm going to show her her transcript and refreshes her recollection as to the exact words. She didn't say she needed her memory refreshed. You just answered the question. If I may, I'd like to give her the transcript, have her look at her statement. She says she doesn't remember the exact words. I want to show her statement, ask her if it refreshes her recollection with regards to the exact words. I'll allow it with regard to the exact words. Dr. Cox, I'm going to show you 500-5A. Do you remember giving a uh, statement on August 7th to the uh, Morris County Prosecutor's Office? Yes, sir, I did. Can you please turn to page 31, okay. lines 3 through okay. 5, and okay. ask you if that refreshes your recollection with regards to what the exact words concerning the threat to Michael was? Just, just read it to yourself, Doctor. I have read it, sir. Does that refresh your recollection as to... That's exactly it, sir. What is exactly it? You want me to read what this says? I want you to testify to what the exact threat was to Michael Barrison, if that refreshed your recollection. Okay. You Judge, know... I don't, I don't think she should read it if she's saying that her recollection has been refreshed to the exact words, then she can do it from memory. That was the whole right. point of this exercise. Does that refresh your memory without without reading it? It's, it's to... Refresh your memory, Dr. Cox, that transcript. Yes, it refreshes my memory. All right, now just testify, if you can, without reading specifically what's in your prior statement. Okay. Again, he said to Michael, with you doing the kind of stuff that you're doing, he said... So I'll... the record is clear, Judge. The witness is reading from the transcript. All right. I, it I, hasn't I, been removed from I, the transcript. I, I understand. I'll, I'll allow it in this one instance. He, he said, I will take you down. Take that from the doctor. Thank you. Now... You were present when the uh, the town came and kicked everyone out of the stable, correct? Yes, sir, I was. Now, were you asked to go to the farmhouse at any point? Yes, sir, I was. And why were you asked to go to the farmhouse as opposed to Michael? Well, hold on a sec. Just yes or no, Judge? No, it, but still, we don't know anything about who told her that or why why she was told. It, it calls for a hearsay answer. I'm afraid on the day the town came, did you go to the farmhouse? With somebody, yes. And did you go inside? Yes, sir. And, and were you attacked by Tanarak's dog? Yes, sir. What, what's the relevance of that? The dog attacked Michael Barrison. Oh, I, I haven't heard that. I haven't, wait a second. I haven't, first of all, I haven't heard that yet. While it may have some relevance to the defendant, what is the relevance to the dog, unfortunately, biting Dr. Cox or attacking the doctor. 
There's no relevance to that here. The police officer judge testified that the dog is... But, Mr. Belinkus, you're missing the point. I don't see how that is remotely relevant. Judge, I'll move on. Now, when you gave Michael Barrison that gun, isn't it a fact that both magazines had bullets in them? Not to my knowledge, that's not a fact. If I can approach again, Judge, I'm going to show you, again, your transcript. D-505A, which was a statement you gave the day of the incident. Can you turn to page 23, line 25? Can you read that to yourself and tell me whether it refreshes your recollection as to whether or not there were bullets in the magazines, plural? Yes, it does. It refreshes my memory. Were there bullets in the magazine? I'm, he I'm hesitant with, with how to answer that question. If you're asking me if both magazines were full of bullets, is that what you're asking me? Right. You don't recall one way or the other, do you? No, sir, I don't. But would you agree with me that on the 7th, you indicated that they were, correct? On the 7th, what my answer would be that I know that one... Am I answering this yeah. all right? Okay. Go ahead. You looked at me. I thought maybe no, I should no, be No, no, no. I'm just... Okay. No. No. I, I, I would tell you if I you wanted you to be quiet. Okay, yes. well, I just didn't want to do anything wrong here. So I would I would tell you that that my recall is that one magazine was full. The other magazine probably had several bullets in it. I cannot tell you that both magazines were full of bullets. And that has been my hesitancy to answer your question. I don't know if I've made it worse or better in what I've said. Okay. Based on what you say, would you agree with me? You're not 100% sure as to... How many bullets were in each magazine? That is an absolute correct statement, sir. Maybe a first for me. Okay. Well, I'm glad I was part of it. <laughs> in the next section, you will hear Prosecutor Shellhorn and later Judge Taylor and Defense Attorney Edward Belinkus refer to DIFUS and DCPP interchangeably. DIFUS, an acronym for Division of Youth and Family Services, was the old name for the New Jersey State Governmental Organization responsible for Child Protective Services. DCPP is its new name and stands for Division of Child Protection and Permanency. On the day of the incident, were you asked to uh, stand guard and watch things prior to uh, DCPP DIFUS coming? Ask me that question again. Were you asked to come and stand guard or watch over things before DIFUS came. Who is that? Uh, that's the uh, Child Protective Service. No, sir, I was not asked that. Nothing further, Judge. All right, thank you. Any redirect? No, thank you, Judge. All right, Dr. Cox, you all finished? I thank you. And I may go. You may go. I'm excused. Yes, you are. Thank you. Please don't discuss the case with anyone, though. Yes, sir. Okay? Very thank good. Thank you so very much. Right. Nice seeing you again. And with that, the testimony of Dr. Ruth Cox concludes. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Judge.
Judge Taylor invites Prosecutor Shellhorn to call the state's next witness, and Shellhorn brings to the stand Child Protective Services investigator Vanessa Medrano Cortez. Ms. Cortez has long, straight brown hair, wears dark glasses, a dark vest, and a white collarless shirt. Shellhorn begins his questioning. Good morning, Ms. Medrano Cortez. Good morning. Can you please uh, reintroduce yourself to the jury and tell them how old you are? Yes, I am Vanessa Medrano Cortez, and I'm currently 29 years old. Where do you work? For the Division of Child Protection and Permanency. Approximately how long have you worked for that agency? For about six years and a half. Can you tell the jury briefly what the responsibilities of the division are? So I am in an intake role um, and in the intake unit where we receive reports of child abuse or neglect. And were you in that same position in August of 2019? Yes. What are your general day-to-day responsibilities as a member of the intake unit? So I receive reports with allegations of abuse or neglect, and my job is to respond to the house address that is on the report to investigate if there is actual um, abuse or neglect. Were you in the same or substantially the same role in August of 2019? Yes. How are some of the ways that the division can be notified or referred of a case like you just talked about? An individual could call the SCR, which is the state central registry, and report concerns or an incident of abuse or neglect to a child. Are there other uh, entities that are mandatory reporting agencies or mandatory reporters? Um, yes, it could be police departments, um, teachers, medical staff, anybody. As a caseworker, how are you assigned your cases? Um, we go based on a rotation list of about 15 people and whoever's next receives the next case. What determines the response time for when you would respond to investigate? So there are two types of referrals. One is a child protective services referral. The other one is child welfare assessment. The child protective services referral actually has allegations of abuse or neglect uh, to be investigated. And with the child welfare services referral, we assess for services for the family in order to um, bring stability or any help that may need as well. With respect to a child protective services for abuse or neglect, are there different categories of response time? Yes, there is a 24-hour response and also an immediate response. In your experience, does the referral typically include uh, an alleged perpetrator? On the child uh, protective services referral, yes. What is an alleged perpetrator? someone who is being accused of the act, whether it is abuse or neglect towards a child. When you're assigned a case, can you tell the jury what the steps you take are to begin your investigation? Yes, so I do. Res- I call the reporter um, to find out more information about the allegations of abuse or neglect, and then I proceed to the home unannounced and interview, sorry, interview everyone privately. Do you review the uh, screening summary? Yes. Can you tell the jury what the screening summary is? The screening summary is a report where it gives the details of the incident that happened with concerns of abuse or neglect. Now you indicated that there are two types of referrals, abuse or neglect. What are some examples of abuse? So with abuse, um, some examples could be emotional abuse, sexual abuse, physical abuse, among those. And with uh, respect to neglect, what are some examples of neglect? With neglect, it could be substance abuse, um, inadequate supervision, 
not enough food in the home. Now, do you recall being assigned a referral on Tuesday, August 6th, regarding the address of 411 West Mill Road in Washington Township? Yes. Do you know why you were assigned that referral? I was next on rotation and it was a Child Protective Services referral with allegations of neglect. And I'll ask you some questions about the referral. Uh, do you recall who the alleged perpetrator was? Yes, Mary Gorganis. Mary Gerganis was a previous legal name of Mary Haskins Gray, the dressage trainer who worked with Michael Barrison and who was also romantically involved with him. Do you recall whether it involved child abuse or neglect? It involved the judge. I'm not going to be able to get into the specifics. In an unrecorded sidebar conversation, the parties discussed the defense objection to Shellhorn's question regarding the allegations against Ms. Haskins Gray. After a few moments, Judge Taylor indicates his ruling on the objection. All right. Objections overruled with my limiting instructions. Go ahead, Mr. Shellhorn. Thank you, Your Honor. Ms. Medrano-Cortez, I was asking you some questions about the general nature of the referral, and I think you were indicating that that uh, referral in, involved complaint of neglect? Yes. And was the response time there listed for 24 hours? Yes. Are you aware that the reporter of that was safe sport? Yes. Now, based on the information that you learned from reviewing the referral and the screening summary, what was your response plan? I went out and announced to the home and um, took a state vehicle with me, and my plan was to interview everyone privately. Did you also know the name from the referral of Michael Barrison? Yes, he was listed as a household member. Do you recall if an individual named Lauren Kanarek was listed at all in that report? I don't recall. Now, on August 7, 2019, uh, did you arrive to 411 West Mill in, in the minivan? Yes. And you recall whether you were by yourself or with anyone else? I was by myself. Were you made aware of any safety concerns? No. If you were, would that have changed your response? Yes. Were you there looking specifically for Michael Barrison? No. When you arrived at the address, do you remember approximately or the general area where you went on the property? Um, I went towards the barn all the way down the driveway, I will call it, and parked on the left side of the barn. It's in the front. Ms. Medrano-Cortez, approximately what time of day was it when you arrived to the It was property? in the afternoon, maybe 1, 1.30. So I recognize uh, that S312 is a picture in the dark, but aside from that, what do you recognize S312 to be? Uh, the barn, the main entrance of the barn. And, and is that the same barn that you recall going on August 7, 2019? Yes. When you arrived to the property and you were in this area, did you park in the parking lot? Yes. Do you see the area where you parked on this picture? Yes, on the left side by the black car. Did you get out of your car? No, I parked and a male came towards me. I didn't know it was Michael Barrison then, but um, I left the van and that's when he introduced himself. Did you tell him who you were? Yes. And what else did you tell him? Very vaguely that we had a I had a referral from Child Protective Services. Did you get into any specifics about the referral? No. Why not? Because I discussed the details of the referral individually and privately. And is that your common practice and your habit? Yes. When you told him who you were and where you were there from, uh, what did you do next? Um, he called Miss Garganis. She came outside of the door and she allowed me to go inside the office of the barn. Again, when Ms. Medrano-Cortez mentions Ms. Gardinas, she's referring to Mary Haskins Gray, the defendant's assistant trainer and girlfriend. Did you go in that door that we see on S312? Yes. And do you recall which direction you went when you went inside the door? Towards the left. And I'm going to show you a picture that's entered into evidence as S312. 
301. What do you recognize S301 to be? The office. And does that appear to be the same or substantially the same condition that the office was in when you met with Mr. Gaines? Mostly, yes, except the chair positions. And just so the record is clear, are you aware of whether Mr. Gaines had another last name or went by another last name at times? I wasn't aware when I arrived. And are you aware now that uh, she also has the last name of Gray? Yes. Now, S301 is a picture of the office that you indicated that you met uh, with, and I'll call her Miss Gray because that's how we've been referring to her, so I apologize if that's somewhat confusing. That's the office that you met with Miss Gray in? Yes. And when you met with her in that office, was anyone else present with you? No. Uh, was the door open or closed? The door was closed. And do you recall if you were sitting, standing, or something else? I was sitting. How about Miss Gray? Miss Gray was sitting towards the window. Now, just uh, without getting into any of the details now, uh, did you tell her any more specific details about why you were there? Yes, I discussed the details of the report with her. Do you remember approximately how long you spoke with her? For about 30 minutes. During the course of time that you were meeting with Miss Gray in this office with the door closed, did anyone interrupt you? Yes, Mr. Barrison came to the office about three times. What did you tell him uh, the first time that he interrupted you? That I needed to speak with her privately first. What did you tell him the second time that he interrupted you? He asked me if we were almost done and, and I said, that we weren't done yet, a couple more minutes. On the third time that he interrupted you, did he say anything to you and Ms. Gray? He said that he needed the office. I had told him that I was almost done with releases. The person always needs to sign releases. So yeah, he said he needed the office. And after he told you and Ms. Gray that he needed the office, did you stay there or, or leave? We moved to the next room. We left. Had you ever met Mr. Garrison before that day? No. Do you recall what his appearance or demeanor was? He appeared to be um, confused, somewhat upset. Did you see him uh, running around at all? No, I was in the office at all times. When you were in the, the room or had any interaction with him, did you hear him yelling? No. Do you recall whether there was a safe inside of that office? Yes. And I'm going to show you what's been marked and entered into evidence as S302. Do you see the safe in this picture? Yes. Can you tell the jury where it is? On the right side of the picture. Did you see whether or not anyone went into that safe? Ms. Gray retrieved documents from the safe to show me. And do you recall who opened the safe? No. Directing your attention back to the third time that the defendant interrupted you and Ms. Gray, do you recall anything specific about what he did when he interrupted on that third occasion? Um, as we were leaving the office, he grabbed her arm and kissed her. He grabbed Ms. Gray's arm and kissed her? Yes, kissed her on the cheek as I was in the middle of both of them. Did you see the defendant again? No. Were you still at the property of 411 West Mill Road when the police arrived? Yes. Do you have any personal or direct knowledge of what happened elsewhere on the, the property that day? No. Just two more questions, Ms. Medrano-Cortez. Based on what happened, was the case transferred to another caseworker? Yes. And did that caseworker complete any follow-up or investigation and prepare any reports? Yes. Judge, no further questions, thank you. All right, cross-examination. No questions. All right, you may step down, ma'am. Thanks. Thank you. And with that, Judge Taylor calls for a mid-morning break, and we bring to a close this episode of Jury Duty, the trial of Michael Barrison. Please join us on our next installment as we begin our coverage of the testimony of alleged victim Lauren Kanarek. And if you would like to listen to these episodes early and ad-free, head over to our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page. 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. You can find more information about this trial on our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page or at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created, hosted, and produced by yours truly, Carrie Antholis. It was co-produced and edited by Chris Taracone. Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio, and Trial Audio is courtesy of Law and Crime Networks. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty, The Trial of Michael Barrison.